This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Thursday, the 6th of April, 2023. Coming up today, we're going to be talking all about Braille and narrator and improvements that have been made. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Right, hang on, hang on, hang on. There we go. So I was trying to stir my coffee at the same time as do that introduction. I have to say I was stirring my coffee whilst doing that introduction. Can I just say, I managed to do two things Mm. at once. Breaking news. Yeah, I know. Breaking news. Stunning. Well done, I am incredible. I've got to say... I didn't hear any clinking, so I'm assuming it was stirred with a, what, what would we call it, a wooden stick? A wooden I, I don't know. spoon. A wooden spoon? Was <laughs> Like a massive one, yes. like a cauldron of coffee. Exactly, okay. that's exactly what I need every day, as you well know. Uh, hey, listen, it's the last one before the holiday, because we're not here tomorrow. <gasps> I know. Are we not? No, we're not here tomorrow. It's Good okay. Friday tomorrow. Oh, of course it is, yeah. So Always we are me. having a Good Friday off Yes. Hooray! And what will we do with that Friday? Just sit in front of our technology all sit day and phones. waste the day. <laughs> yeah, pretty I can't much. Wait. <laughs> no uh, listen, coming up today, we are going to be joined by the wonderful Jeff Bishop from Microsoft. Uh, now, Jeff is totally blind as well, and he is going to be joining us from Microsoft. He works on the team that actually updates, creates, develops Narrator. So <gasps> we're going to get impressive. all our questions answered about that some really interesting uh points to bring up because i really want to ask him about ai because everyone wants to know about ai you know is, is ai coming for jeff's job is it sort of hiding around the corner waiting for him well a lot of people say it's coming for everyone's job doesn't it um but yeah. i don't think so we will see okay all right well we'll, we'll see we'll see won't we well yeah we will uh right <laughs> Wow. I've got nothing to argue about, and still we're trying to argue. And still we're arguing, yeah. right. Uh, listen, let's get into the feedback, because lots of you have oh. been sending in comments, and I want to kick off with an email from Greg in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, Greg! As always, Laura reads our emails. Hello. With Stephen's addiction to keyboards, it's baffling that he has always been down on the remote interface for voiceover, especially as he is seemingly so excited about Smart Connect in the Sense Player. Regarding Sean's excellent demonstration of the Logitech software, it would seem a perfect candidate for JAWS scripting or an NVDA add-on. Have you checked the community for any that may already be available? Have you contacted Logitech? If so, received a reply? (laughs) My absolute favourite keyboard is the second generation of the ZoomText keyboard, which was sold by AI Squared. I bought several when it was replaced by the third generation as backup. Some 22 years later, it's still going strong and they have continued to keep the software up to date. The ZoomText keyboard they currently sell is quite a bit different. This one is a full-sized USB desktop keyboard with number pad, lovely keys and ergonomics, but what makes it special are 18 little buttons above the function row which are pre-programmed for common ZoomText functions. As my vision has largely disappeared, I use the very accessible ZoomText software to reprogram many of these, keeping only magnification, speech on demand, speech rate, keyboard echo and colour filter. I've programmed other buttons to go to home page, pause play media, media next, previous and to open a number of applications at the touch of a button. And this keyboard is a joy to type on. The drawback, it only runs with Zoom text or Fusion running. The specialised keys don't work with JAWS alone. 
Of course, mm. it works as a standard keyboard with NVDA or Narrator running. I think I paid $59 22 years ago. Freedom sells the newest model for $159. Wow. For my iPhone, I love my RIVO for super portability, no bag or backpack required, for productivity yeah. and nice folding Matthias full-sized with number pad Bluetooth keyboard. Fits any bag or a large coat pocket and gives full keyboard, function row and number pad. It's very flat typing, not a problem, but not the joy of my desktop ZoomText keyboard. eBay can be your friend. Greg in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, ju- and just for clarity on that one, uh, yes. because I know a lot I read it as R-I-V-O, Revo, I think is how Revo. we yeah, pronounce that. Course. But uh, yeah, I must say that you make a good point there, Greg, because you know I've been so excited by the Sense Player and arguably Revo kind of gives us a lot of that functionality. And that's one device which I must say I, I've never really had the chance to play with. It does, I argue, I would argue actually it's got more of the features I'm interested in because I'm, uh, yeah, okay, the Sense Connect is, uh, the Sense Player is a really great device. I don't know if I necessarily need all that. I think I'm more intrigued by the Sense Connect part. So the Revo would solve that. I'm more interested in the, uh, what was it? The Matteo folding keyboard. With well, that's one I've got. And function I right. told you about this one. You never listen to a word I say. Yeah, I but, told you about this the other week. I said, oh, yeah. my favourite keyboard is my Matteo's folding keyboard because it's got a number pad and function you. row. And you're going, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, I, 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 yeah, there you go. And then Greg says it and then you're no, interested. Yeah, Typical. Greg's, <laughs> Greg's got the tech know-how to back it up. No, I was saying I wish it had a locking uh, mechanism, right? That's what I was saying. But I, I do like the, I've got to say, I've, I've, now I'm back in the shed. I've brought my MX Keys keyboard with me, which I was using in the house, because going back to my old keyboard, oh, it just felt so wrong. I love this keyboard. But I, that ZoomText one, I've never heard of. But having 18 extra keys on there, I mean, it's great, right? Well, yeah, and it was built specifically for ZoomText. Kind of weird, though, that it only works when ZoomText is running. Well, it only recognises those keys. Yeah, that is a shame. But I, I, I have started, since I've started using the logic oh and thanks greg for the um uh, positivity about the demo thank you very much i have used the feedback in that app if you go into the settings there is a feedback option but no i haven't heard anything back um what was i going to say i've totally forgotten oh yes no i've, I've i just thought i'd leave you since, yeah, thank since, you. since you know everyone knows everything more than I do, you don't listen to a word that I say. Oh, I don't oh, no, to a word that you said. Oh, I, sorry, I do apologise. Now, I, I, I you've actually the... touched my keyboard. You've had your hands on that keyboard. I brought that keyboard with me the last time oh, we it was met, terrible. and I'll you take it all touched back. it, and you said, oh, "It's all right." Yeah, it's all right. Okay, well, all right. Calm down. It's just fitting into a large coat pocket. I thought, oh, that sounds quite good, but. It's quite a large coat pocket. I mean, <laughs> unless you're under a, a Russian spy, I don't what? think you're going to wear a jacket that's going to be suitable enough to walk around Can with I that inside. Can I just say, Greg, I'm not saying you're a Russian spy. <laughs> I wouldn't possibly say anything like that. I don't think so. I was just saying the extra buttons on a keyboard can be incredibly useful. There, that's what I wanted to get out. Now, carry on. Yeah, I must say that <gasps> my, my favourite keyboard, portable keyboard, is definitely the Matthias Folding. It's a great keyboard. I, I would do a demo for you, cheap. but it's not. There's no point doing a demo because you're not going to no, hear it's anything. It's a keyboard. Yeah, exactly. No. It's a keyboard. <laughs> uh, listen, Mark's been in touch as well on this subject. Hi, Stephen and Sean. I've been catching up with all of the double tap content since the migration from BGTT. I've just listened to Saturday's episode on keyboards and was not surprised to hear Sean having difficulty with the Logitech software. Inaccessible software bundled with keyboards are the sole reason I cannot recommend my favourite keyboards to screen reader users. I would recommend the Logitech K860 to anyone, however. As frustrating as it is, I want to offer an alternative opinion on the subject. 
Sean mentioned the word lazy in accordance with the lack of labels on buttons and how this is unacceptable for a company of Logitech's size. He's lazy. I understand how it can seem this way, but in my experience, developers don't always understand how to make apps accessible. This includes for things we think would be quite easy, such as adding a label to a button. The problem is the documentation they would have used to learn their skills way back when would not have included information on how to make things friendly to interfacing technologies such as screen readers. The tools themselves might not even give them an easy avenue to do so either. Even if they were willing to upskill themselves and the tools had the capability, the documentation on making applications accessible are not easy to find and or are not extensive enough to give the developer everything they need. Then we have to consider what would happen if the developer actually did what we wanted. It can result in having an application that is worse than it was before. As you may know, developers speak their own language sometimes. Imagine if you let them loose naming buttons, menus, regions, links, togglers, etc. according to what they believed were right for customers. And that is just one example. Far worse things could happen such as hiding or blocking things from the reach of the user. Without proper coordination from a dedicated expert, things can spiral out of control. What would be great to experience is if DoubleTap could get someone on from Logitech to talk through what they are doing and what they plan to do in the future, but also get someone from Microsoft or Apple to talk about what they are doing to help make things easy for developers to create accessibly rich applications on desktop environments. The irony here is that of all the desktop environments, GNOME on Linux has the best accessibility documentation for developers of them all that I can find. Yet, as you know, has the worst screen reader probably of all time. I am sorry, Orca, but your voice is absolutely draining. Apologies for the long email. It would have been longer if I'd had chipped in with my thoughts on social media. TLDR for a happy life. Listen to audiobooks instead. As usual, thanks for all your hard work. Best regards, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Good wow, email. There's a lot in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, you could... Who is at the heart of it responsible? It's the company, right? So Logitech are responsible for making their application. Now, could Microsoft, could Apple, could any other company, Google, you know, provide more documentation? Yeah, probably. But I think, you know, it's not like, I know I, I'm going to sound like one of these people, but it's not like nobody's heard of accessibility. I know it's still low down in the priority list for a lot of companies when they create new products. Some do not know about it. They just have no idea. But, you know, I don't think Logitech can get away with that. I mean, you know, it, it, I can understand a small developer who's built an app who doesn't really know about accessibility and someone gets in touch and says, hey, look, I can't use this app because I'm blind. And then they learn about it and they, they try their best to implement accessibility in. But a company like Logitech mm, or any other company, based, a big company like that. Um, wow. We should, gonna, we should definitely follow up you. on this. I, yeah. I, um, I totally agree with you. Oh yeah, my goodness. Absolutely. Well, that, that, that deserves it. Breaking news. So I, I, I don't know where the YAR theme came from, but there you go. Um, I need to get rid of that. You can't that, do two things at once. No, it. I can't. I've taken take it back. Mark, I take everything you say on board. And uh, honestly, because I'm not a developer, I don't know what resources out, are out there for developers. I have spoken to one, actually, who totally changed the interface to his app because he said he just couldn't get the documentation for implementing voiceover on the iPhone. So th mm -hmm. there obviously is some sort of disconnect there. Uh, but either way, even just common um, good coding practice would tell you not to leave any labels to their default, as in button, button. Um, so I think there is a, a uh, I think, you know, accusing someone of, of, of laziness when it comes to things like that isn't too out of hand. And also the way that Logitech choose 
to design their user interface is very much the visual way rather than using standard um, UI elements such as tabs and, you know, and and actual buttons rather than images um, is a design choice at the sacrifice of accessibility. So as Stephen said, I think Logitech have a responsibility being the size that they are to have an accessible um, or, or even an accessibility ethos to it when it comes to designing their software they're, they're so big i think they have a responsibility when it comes to accessibility but and you could yeah. argue it's not criticism because actually the thing is that we would use these features we would use all the i mean they're the great keyboards i love logitech keyboards i never shut up about them i know you know exactly. i'm never criticizing the keyboard i think the keyboards are great some of them aren't great i mean you know they do have a couple i think okay well they have so many of them and that's kind of the point but when we range for prices yeah we're concentrating on keyboards here, but even the webcam software. When I'm using a, you know, the C90, is it the, the webcam, or am I thinking of cassette tapes? No, I, yeah, I think you are. But no, the C920 <laughs> is the one you mean. I think 920. That's it. That's the popular um, one. Even the, the 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 webcam software. I mean, it's kind of accessible. You can jump to some sliders, and but it's not great. And at this point of where they are, honestly, I I don't think it's excusable. And to anymore. be fair, though, to be fair, they're not alone. I mean, most of these companies that provide, I mean, think about Ogato with the face cam or the, uh, what's oh, the other absolutely. one, the Insta camera you've got, you know, there's the been Insta issues there. The Insta camera, I absolutely love, right? Because it tracks me automatically. I can do gestures to get it to zoom in and zoom out. From that point of view, fantastic. You go to Insta.com, totally inaccessible website. I think this is the first time I've seen a totally inaccessible website, as in, there's nothing on it. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> well done, I'm guys. sure there's, there may be an image on it. Perhaps I could jump through images. But you try jumping through headers and absolutely nothing. So I couldn't get the drivers. I can't get the software. And it's that's an Elgato as well. I mean, absolutely terrible when it comes to software accessibility. And it's a real shame because the hardware side of it, amazing. And the software side of it means that really we're out of the loop when it comes to us as screen reader users using it. And I don't think it's good enough. And I've you know, heard the argument a few times from people. I remember going into a shop once and asking about accessible televisions. And the person in the shop said, well, why would a TV be accessible to you? You're blind. Why would you watch television? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's the answer but or, or the reason for why these things are inaccessible. But I do think there's sometimes a little bit of disconnect with logic that comes in with this, that almost like, you know, it's a camera. Uh, blind people and cameras probably don't mix. So, you know, never mind, yeah, don't worry yeah, about it. You yeah. know, it's almost like if we're going to focus on any kind of accessibility, let's focus over here or focus over there. But let's not think beyond, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's just ridiculous when you think about it. It's just nonsense. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, move on because I have another message here. This is from Aaron, who's sent in an email. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Laura must be laughing in her mind as I keep forgetting how to spell Stephen's name correctly. It's either ah. a PH or a V, Stephen. Oh. I'm so sorry. Laura, I am ashamed. Anyways, on the topic of canes, I believe the public doesn't even know what a cane is. It's almost the same with guide dogs. Oh, there's a dog in the shop. How fun. I believe it's dependent on the person's personality, regardless of the mobility or adaptability aid being used. In terms of colour, I think it really does not matter. TVIs and O&M professionals will say that the standard white shaft with red bottom is identifiable around the world. My question, is the standard easily recognisable or is it just easy for Voc Rehab to bulk order different sizes? <laughs> I've tried decorated canes and they have never made any difference to me. The NFB, National Federation for the Blind, have their own canes as well. I've tried them and while they are very light, you cannot change the tips. 
the tip being used is a flat circular shaped metal glide tip, which does not work well in grass and is horrible on carpet. I looked into the See Me Cane, pre-ordered and then cancelled my order. It was going to take six months and, like you will said, it's a project. I'm sketchy of it being a Kickstarter project and not getting anything in return. I will await and see if it ever comes out of ETA. I like the idea and having a lightsaber would be awesome. (laughs) I've been hearing a lot of praise from a lot of people about the Sense Player. My main issue is that I think they are trying to do too much. Hims have some awesome feeling hardware. I have a Cubraille XL Braille display. Its only limitation is that the OS is Windows CE and I can outtype it, leaving whatever I'm trying to type laggy and eventually stuck, forcing me to have to restart the device. I'm worried that the promise of a screen reader like experience and downloading apps for the Sense Player will essentially be overpromised and underdelivered. Plus, Hims support is poor when compared to humanware and the fast turnaround times of replacement parts. I think the Sense Player is a good idea. I'm intrigued technology-wise, but in practice I'm not so sure. Not having Audible support or NLS Bard support in the States is a major issue. Saying that support is coming when we get a screen reader built, I believe, does a disservice to potential customers. I'm not looking what the Sense might be able to do, but rather what it is doing at the moment. When compared to the VR Stream third generation, the VR Stream does more at the moment and does its task well. May the source be with you. God bless. Aaron Linson. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, it's an interesting one with the Sense player because I think that's the there's almost like a lot of promise to it. When we were talking about it at the time, it's like... I remember when Jason Fair was on and we were going through it, it felt like it's a multi-layered device. You know, you've got that core functionality, very similar yes. to Victor Reader, where you can listen to internet, radio, podcasts, audiobooks, record notes, all that stuff. Then you've got the layer where you can connect to a smartphone and control it. And then this other layer where they're going to basically put or allow for a screen reader, top back, you know, Android screen reader on there and essentially bring apps in from the app store. And you think, okay, that's, that's an interesting mix. It's an interesting proposition, right? But why would you do that over your phone? I, I kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, it's just a weird pushing mix the, of things. Pushing the um, versatility of their device is fantastic. But I kind of agree. It's very good, you know, what possibility, what possible, what, <laughs> let me try that again. What could possibly <laughs> come in the future? Yeah. But, what does it actually do now? Because how how much development will actually go into it in the future? How quickly will we see these extra uh, features? I mean, the proof is in the pudding. So I, I honestly don't know. I mean, but the feature set it's got, you know, right now is still makes it an incredibly usable device. Yeah, I am just intrigued. Not, I am just intrigued not sure about the um, you know, as you said, over promising and under delivering. That's that's the slight concern. Here's where I'm at. I think it's either Revo Keyboard and Victor Reader or Sense Player to connect with a smartphone but also get all the other functionality. You know, that seems to be your yeah, kind of options yeah. out there. Yeah, that's true. If you wanted that, you know, if you wanted all if you wanted all in one or or at least all the capabilities of, of both devices, that's how you would achieve it. That's your package, which is either Sense Player and Smartphone or Victor Reader and Revo Keyboard. Revo 2 keyboard in particular, actually. That's the best one to get. I think it's the only one available now. Revo yeah. 2 and your smartphone. Um, that's an interesting mix. And then, of course, a Stellar Trek as well. Oh, my bag's filling <sighs> up again. Well, let's see. That's the thing. But isn't it interesting? And we're talking about these specialised devices again. They seem to have come back into, I don't want to say fashion, but people seem to be excited by these newer devices. 
Um, don't you honestly, think that's because? Don't you think that's because though the, the capability of them has improved? You know, the hardware inside is improving. The upgradability. It's no longer just a one. Well, essentially, one function though? device. I mean, it's interesting. Again, we're going back to Aaron's point about the you know, promising of what's to come. I mean, well, not, even so, not even so much that, but I mean, I think, for example, the Victor Reader, you know, yeah. that device, the, the, the second gen was out for 10 years and it could only do as much as it really could do from day one. It didn't really yes. get any new features over those 10 years. Yes. Whereas now they're saying, yeah, okay, and yeah, I know it's promising things in the promising future, what's but, to come. Yes. But, but then so is everything else. I mean, if you buy a smartphone, no one's saying, oh, well, you're going to get all the apps on it you'll ever use today and tomorrow. Of course, new things will be developed and new things will be added on to it. That's the whole point. Yeah, so but I'm will not... they? That's the thing. Because of the, the market size and because of the small development team behind this specialist tech, how, how I mean, what, what sort of time frame are we looking at for future developments? Tuesday. If they will actually come in? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy to give them the benefit of the doubt here and we'll see what happens. But uh, I just think it's interesting, as I said, about the, I always see these specialist devices to have a, a very small um, market, but um, people are talking about them a lot recently. Well, they do have a small market, right? We had a very small niche within a niche. I mean, we're a subset of a subset, if you think about it. You know, we're blind people and, you know, blind people, not low vision people. I mean, some low vision people may buy the Victor Reader, but, you know, I think people who are totally blind will be more likely to buy it. Um, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, Certainly I think that's Victor fair. Reader, Sense Player, I think that's true. Um, so that's a subset of a subset. And then, of course, you know, we're talking in amongst the disabled community you know, so we're not a huge bunch of people. We don't have a huge amount of buying power. We do have a reasonable buying power, but not clearly as much as, you know, the disability community at large. So No, and the prices of these things can be prohibitive as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I'm, I'm, um, just, I'm just making the point that it seems like they're, they're coming up a lot more in, in discussions, not only with us on this show, but I've heard a lot of people talking about them, and there seems to be more interest than I've ever seen before in this sort of stuff. Let's go to another email from Alan, who's been in touch. Hi, Stephen, Sean and Laura. I hope you are all well. And also, I do not understand why Microsoft are only adding new features for Narrator on Windows 11, but not on Windows 10. It would be good if Narrator could announce when you first log onto your computer that Narrator could say, welcome to Narrator and Windows 10 or Windows 11, and then say, start programs when the programs come on. Just a suggestion. And could you forward these suggestions onto your contacts at Microsoft? The other day, I listened to a very good webinar from Sight and Sound on the Sense Player, which was on YouTube. The webinar was very good, and the lady doing the webinar explained and described how the Sense Player worked. A few things that I found out about the Sense Player is that the cost for the basic version is £445, and the OCR version is £645, and the stand for the player is £45. The player is only running Android 11 when the apps go onto the player in June. And the apps are stripped down and customised apps that HIMS have probably programmed to the apps themselves. The Sense Player sounds a very good device, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Sense Player at Site Village this year. Also, I downloaded the WhatsApp web onto my computer and got the app to work, but when I now open the WhatsApp, it does not come on, and it is asking me to scan the QR code. I think that I should not have to put in the QR code every time I open the app. Also, when I was typing a message, it was only typing character by character, which I do not like. Is there any way you can change this to typing word by word? And I notice that there are no buttons to make a call or video call. I still prefer the layout of WhatsApp on my Android Pixel 2 phone. 
My last comment is that I heard a demonstration of the new Foxy Vision Scanner on RNIB Tech Talk Show today. It seems a very good machine, but it is very pricey at about £1,700. Sorry for the long email, and I hope to see you and Sean at Site Village in Birmingham this July. Kind regards, Alan from Hereford. Oh, thanks, Alan. Can you say hello? We will be there. We will be uh, fumbling around, and I'm sure you'll hear us. Yes, well, he'll hear you. Well, I know. I think they'll hear you because you're the loudest person in the world, screaming and shouting. And how dare you! Bawling all not. over where we go. I'll be wherever you can get food from. I'll just be there. So yeah, that's actually. Yeah, well, I think last time we were we were not parked next to the toilets. Last we were time. next to the toilets. You can, quite handy, actually. Yeah. That says a lot. It was quite nice. Actually, same in Vienna. Just in Vienna. Coffee toilets? shop to my left, toilets oh. to my right. Oh, there Delicious. You go. I love the, that song. That's the joy of fame. This, this is people say, "Oh, this is such a glamorous job." Uh, I'll tell you, it's a convenient job. That's all I'll say. It's convenience. Yeah. Uh, okay. Very um, good. Okay. So uh, I want to start with the narrator point. Um, yeah. So it's interesting you say that about the the startup because that's one thing I love about the Mac. You can actually program. Well, you program it. You just tell it in the settings what you want it to say when you start the program. So you can have it say anything, and I mean anything. All right. Steady now. Oh, I've had. Huge uh, uh, well, I used to have uh, lots of fun with it, but then uh, I realised that when it was open in public, that was a problem. It's not quite as fun. <laughs> well, it is for me, but not for other people. So the narrator, the, the difference between Windows 10 and Windows 11 is a, a good point. And I've noticed that as well. I keep coming back to um, Quick Assist, which is different in Windows 10 and Windows 11, and the way you access it is different, the way you download it. I, I, I do think... Because Windows 10, it just... It feels like it's still going to be around for a long time. It'd be different if it was, you know, Windows Seven and Windows Ten or Eleven we were talking about. But Windows Ten and Eleven having differences, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, when it comes down to WhatsApp, great to Windows Eleven then. All right, okay, there you go. I mean, come Steve on, I mean, got... yeah, well, I mean, you know, this is the thing, no, right? I'm sorry, we're, we're Windows, sticking with Windows Ten for what purpose? Well, what if you can't What's upgrade the difference? to Windows? I tell you what, the difference is is the security limitations that you need. For Windows 11, what if your computer doesn't have the TMP? <laughs> uh, buy a new computer. What do I care? Fair enough. Okay, there you go. Stephen Scott says, just buy a new computer. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, WhatsApp. I can tell you why you're getting the QR code every time because the first time you install it and open it up, and you need to scan the QR code. I did this just yesterday, actually. Um, it's very accessible. You you <laughs> scan the QR code, so you need to open the WhatsApp app on your smartphone go to the settings and link a device and then you scan you point your camera at the computer screen with whatsapp running can on i just computer. can i just interrupt you on that because yes. just, just because I, the only reason that i know you're going with this but i think that's yes. exactly what alan's done i think what he said there was he downloaded the whatsapp for web app now i'm just wondering if that's different to the one we've got because there is a web app. Remember that web app that you always, every single time you had to log into, every time you opened it up, and even if you closed your phone, it would, you know, if you, if you turned your phone off, it would forget and you'd have to then go back in and scan the QR code again. So I think you maybe want to check you've got the right application first. Well, you so go into, go into the Microsoft that, Store. Okay. No, no, but, you know, you've no, been no, on about no, how you, you do it. And like, yeah, Alan's sitting there going, yeah, I've done all that. But wait. The, the important thing about this is after you scan the QR code, you do need to leave your WhatsApp app 
open on your smartphone. And if you swipe through, you will hear it say, like whatever your win- uh, computer you're using, mine said, Windows syncing, please leave the app open. And you need to wait. And it does take a while. I don't know if it's... It doesn't much... take a while. It takes a second. No, it, well, obviously, it, done, it took about five minutes for me before it finished syncing and then said on the WhatsApp app on the phone, active. And then when I close WhatsApp down and I open it up again, it goes straight into the WhatsApp. If I don't wait and I close the app down, then I need to do the scan process every time. Also, there is a difference between the web and the Microsoft Store WhatsApp app. Is there, Sean? Stephen just explained that. Is there? Really? Okay. Well, there we go. I'm glad we clarified that. Uh, but yeah, you probably want to make sure that you've uh, got the right application, let which it, I think is the problem and not no, what Sean's I think talking it's, about. I think it's uh, let it finish syncing. Uh, so let us know what actually, mm, who mm, was right. Mm. You decide. Uh, what, right. about, what about the character or word by word? I, I think that is a web issue, right? Yeah, because than... it's the wrong app. Yeah. All right. And there's no buttons for audio calls because it's the wrong app. Okay. Just there you go. Uh, as for the sense player, uh, and that was that Voxy? Yeah, that's very expensive. Again, this is another is it... device which I don't really understand. Uh, we're hoping to get Jason on from Visiony to, to explain this to us. I don't really understand what this thing is compared to everything else. Why are there so many versions of the same thing that keep coming out? Hang on. Am I mishearing things? Was it Voxy or Foxy? Voxy. V-O-X-I. Okay. So there's not two. One called Voxy with a V and one called Foxy with an F. That's a whole other application (laughs) and device, which we're not going to get into here. Okay. I'm not very accessible. Well, cool. <laughs> right, leaving that right there. Uh, listen, quick message from Gordon to wrap up. Hello, Double Tappers. It's Gordon from Livingston in Scotland once again. Listening to Sean talking about people holding doors open reminded me of something that happened to me a few years ago. This really isn't a hashtag EBB event, as I believe the fault lies with the sighted person involved. Yes. I've been visiting my local gym for years and know my way around pretty well. These days, I always ask people not to hold doors open for me. I thank them for their attempt to help, but tell them it's safer if I find the door myself. Anyway, on one particular occasion, I'd just finished my workout. I gathered up my things, unfolded my long cane and began the walk back to the changing room. However, I had a real problem on the very first leg when trying to find the exit from the gym area. I probed with my long cane, but the door simply wasn't there. I stopped, turned around retraced a few steps to orient myself, and then tried again. And again, I could not locate the door. I stopped again, feeling around with the cane in an attempt to find some landmark when I heard a rather impatient voice say, Are you coming through or not? I've been holding the door open for ages. I managed to bite back any sarcastic comments, which is unusual for me, but this reminded me that some people simply have no concept of how to help a blind person. I should maybe add that I've had my fair share of embarrassing blind blunders, but I'll keep those stories to myself. Hashtag Aww. friend of the shed. Regards, Gordon. Keep them for Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is so infuriating, right? Someone's standing with a door open and just and not saying anything. Come on, Again. just talk. Yeah, Speak. We, uh, just <sighs> incredible. Honestly, so and, and well done for not saying anything, but I yeah. think you would have been well within your rights to... Uh, well, uh, yeah, terrible. Stick around. We are going to thank you, Gordon, for that. Really appreciate it. And all to all you, uh, all of you for sending in your emails and sending in your voicemails as well. Keep them coming. Uh, stick around though. Next, Jeff Bishop joins me from Microsoft to talk all about updates to Narrator, which is really good if you're a Braille display user. Stick around. Mm-hmm. 
Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. I'm so pleased today to welcome Jeff Bishop to the show. Jeff is the program manager who works on the team uh, creating and developing Narrator, the free screen reader built into Windows. He joins us now to talk all about their latest work on Braille and other things as well. Jeff, great to have you here on Double Tap. Thank you. Uh, let's kick off then with, uh, I guess, one of the big topics at the moment, which is uh, the designed for surface range of products, which has been uh, announced, essentially a certification. Uh, maybe if you could talk us through the relationship that you've built with uh, Humanware as much as you can. Maybe tell us a little bit about the relationship with Humanware and how its Braille devices came to be considered part of the designed for surface family from Microsoft's point of view. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the service program and for devices is really something that is really driven by the service team itself. And there's a process that they undertake to test the devices. And they engaged us because we deal with the, the software part of, of the solution. And so as part of Windows, we, we released some pretty major changes for Narrator Braille. And as part of that, we worked alongside Humanware and actually other vendors as well to ensure that Braille displays would function with our new Braille filter driver capabilities that we shipped in Windows 11. And maybe we could go into a bit more detail about that, Jeff, because I think a lot of people might be interested to know about the work you've been doing in this. So how are you improving Braille in Narrator and, I guess, as a result, across Windows? Yeah, well... You know, Braille's been in Narrator for quite some time, and we use Braille TTY and LibLui as the components to support Braille displays because we wanted to provide the widest range of Braille display support that we could. And so what we did here was we did a couple of things. First of all, we upgraded Braille TTY and LibLui to much newer versions of these components, which brought along with it, of course, support for more braille displays of course like you know the mantis and the chameleon and and the bi20 and 40x lines and and many many more there's about oh 18 or so braille displays that we added in in that release and so that was the first part of the of this process that we that we undertook but really one of the things that we wanted to solve for and, and we've gotten lots of calls through the disability answer desk, and we've heard from consumers, and we heard from our OEM partners, that one of the biggest problems that we had was being able to use a Braille display, either with Narrator or with a third-party screen reader, such as JAWS or NVDA. And if you turned on Narrator Braille support, then third-party support would not work with your Braille display, because Narrator would take over the device, and you know it, it caused for you know there to be a problem there. So it was a little challenging to to work around that and it, it, requ- it required, you know, the disability answer desk to get involved and oftentimes OEMs to get involved. And, and we, we knew this was a problem and we heard a lot about it from, from users and we heard about it from partners. And so we wanted to solve this problem. And 
I, I will say it was it was technically it, it's it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've done in the past five years here at Microsoft to be able to to work across teams because it, it required significant effort across our team as well as teams across Microsoft to develop a solution that was going to be able to work and and make it dare I say you know magical uh, so or, or seamless. So that's what we did. We, we built this thing called uh, a narrator Braille filter driver. And basically it, it allows the, the Braille display that when, when you, know, you turn on narrator, it knows, oh, okay, well, narrator's here. So go use this driver you know, for this plugged in Braille display. And if narrator turns off, then return control of the Braille display to you know, the third party screen reader or software that was controlling the Braille display. So it, it, it sounds simple in theory, um, but it was, it was one of those, you, you know, opportunities that we had where it really required some very innovative thinking and just some great ingenuity from engineering and, you know, us product managers to come up with a solution. And we couldn't have done it without a team effort. And I'm very, very proud of the work that the team had, had done in this space. It was, it was amazing to see this uh, actually happen. It empowers Narrator on Windows to be great for Braille display users. It gives a lot more yeah. capability. Not only that, Stephen, but it empowers the user because we know that people use multiple screen readers, you know? We, we, we know for a fact that that happens. So we wanted to make sure that, that whatever device you bring to our platform, that you can use it seamlessly with whatever you want. And that's what we, that's what we you know, worked on really, really hard to solve. But of course, how you do that is interesting because you have so many different manufacturers to work with. I mean, yep. Humanware has that designed for Surface badge now, but of course, there are many other Braille displays right. from other manufacturers. How far back did you go? Because some of these Braille displays, are even in use today, are pretty old. Yeah, so basically, we're relying on what Braille TTY supports. So whatever it's currently supporting is what we're bringing to the table as far as devices. And, you know, that they're pretty much supporting almost every Braille display that you can probably, you know, think of that was ever released or is now in market. There's probably some newer ones. I mean, there's always constantly new things coming out, right? Look at CSUN, for example. There were some great announcements there. And so, you know, we'll see, we'll see when those get, get added to Braille TTY and then we'll, we'll have to, you know, of course that will, we'll have to iterate on that and figure out exactly how we bring that, you know, into narrator as well. And, and for I have people who don't announce about that, by the way, no, no. And for people who don't know what Braille TTY is, can you explain that briefly? Oh, sure, sure. So, so there's two components. They're open source libraries that we use in in um, Windows to be able to provide support for Braille displays. So, Braille TTY is sort of the 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 the, the libraries that, that provide the communication and commanding from you know your device to Windows and back and forth. Uh, and then LibLui is a, is a set of tables that is used for translation and, and making sure that, you know, if you switch languages, for example, or, or you, you, you know, you're using different types of, of, of Braille configurations that they're supported. So, you know, you know grade one, grade two, uh, you know, UEB, all those things. Let's talk about some of the other improvements in Narrator. One in particular, which really stands out for me, is the new natural voices. Yeah. Talk us through that and that the journey to there from using the previous version of voices you were using. 
You know, one, one of the top feedback items that we got from the Disability Answer Desk was around our voices. We had, of course, our SAPI 5 voices, and then we moved to one core. And, you know, people are, are especially screen reader users, they, they, they really love their natural voices. You know, whether, you know, you're using uh, uh, things like acapella or, or all there's all kinds of flavors of these things. And, and so one of the top pieces of feedback we got was we love the sound of the one core voices, but it's really hard to use them all day. And, and we would love more natural sounding voices. So we worked with our speech teams here at Microsoft and we de developed and shipped three U.S. English voices. And those are now part of Narrator. And the amount of feedback that we got was amazing. We, we released that into the Windows Insider program and it was almost instantly when people started seeing the blog post. I mean, even before people started downloading the, the voices, we started getting tremendous, uh, tremendous amounts of feedback. And, you know, so that, that was really pleasant to see. And it was, a, it was actually kind of a fun weekend to keep an eye on, on Twitter and, and social media and see what people were talking about. It was, it was, it was kind of fun to do that. I mean, you say that feedback is a big part of, of what you do, but it also must be incredibly rewarding for you as well when you actually get the response, you know, really championing the work you're doing. Does it does it feel like that groundswell, groundswell of support has increased in the last few years? Has, have people really noticed what you're doing? Oh, it has. And one of the other areas of feedback that we've gotten is, is uh, when we actually sort of rebooted our look and feel of our, you know, keyboard model for Narrator. In fact, that was one of the first projects that I worked on when I came to work at Microsoft again in 2017. And so that was that was a very, very interesting process in, uh, in and of itself of how we actually determined exactly what we wanted that to look like because we wanted to, to sort of bring something that was familiar to users but also make sure that we were bringing something that was a unique uh, to, to Narrator in the features that we have as part of our screen reader. And I think that we did a pretty good job in hitting the mark there. And the amount of feedback that we got has been really great in, the, in that area. People find it much easier to use. It's more familiar to them. Uh, you, you know, they're not having to, to relearn an entirely different approach to their screen reader. Uh, but it also provides, you know, some pretty innovative approaches for one-handed operation to be able to basically get at any element on screen, especially if you're using a numeric keypad. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that uniformity you talk about is something that came in and, and was something that was championed by the community. The fact that if you were using JAWS and you went to Narrator, and you know some people might think who don't understand this world, they might think, well, if you've got, say, JAWS, which is supposedly the you know, the, the top screen reader that's been around forever, it's been, yeah. you know, been the, 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 a fantastic third-party screen reader on Microsoft – um, why would you use Narrator? But the truth is that you do need to have these different tools in the toolbox. JAWS won't get to everything. NVDA won't get to everything. Narrator won't get to everything. So it's about having a range of different options and having that uniformity is really important, right? Yes. You know, I, I, I always tell a story when this topic comes up. Back in the 90s when the assistive technology industry was a little bit different and a lot more competitive back in the day, you know, when you had companies like GW Micro and Henner Joyce and all of those guys back then, even before Freedom Scientific, were at a GW Micro presentation, and there was a gentleman who has since passed on, and, and he who is deeply missed, named Clarence Wiley. 
And many people who are listening will probably remember him. He was a, a very well-known figure in the assistive technology industry and someone that if you ever met him, you'd never, ever forget him. And I remember sitting in the audience at that time and, and, and listening to him talk, and he started his conversation by, by saying, how many of you own a copy of JAWS? You know, and, and of course, everyone wouldn't raise their hand because you know, back then it was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't even want to admit that you know, back then. You know? And so nobody would raise their hand. And then he said, well, if you don't own a copy of JAWS, I want you to go out downstairs and buy one while you're at the conference. And everyone was like, oh, you're telling us to buy your competitor. What are you doing? What's going on? And you know, he said, now let me explain why. He goes, you know, I am blind just like all of you who use our products. And I want you to be as successful as you can. So it's important that you have as many tools as in your tool belt to be able to achieve that result. So whether you're using us or you're using... JAWS, window eyes, narrator, whatever the case may be back when this was going on, it didn't matter. What was important was that you were able to be productive, efficient, and that you were able to use your device the way that you chose to. And that has stuck with me over the last 30 years as something that was very impactful. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that, that everybody should be using as many tools as they can to be able to be as successful as they can in what they choose to do. So what are you working on at the moment, or what has come out from Narrator that you really want to shout about? You know, I can't really talk specifically about features that are not yet released, but if you would like to find out more about what's happening with the builds that we're shipping as part of the Windows Insider program, then you can definitely go look at the Windows Insider blog posts. We've, we're always constantly looking at, you know, solving uh, bugs and, and, and issues that customers report or issues that we hear from partners and, and, and vendors where narrator needs to improve. And a lot of those have, have made it into, you know, the Windows Insider program. And, but as far as additional, you know, new features, uh, I'm not able to really talk about those uh, and, until they're, they're actually released. But we've talked a little bit about the stuff that came in, you know, in, 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 the features that, that released in February, you know, our new Braille features um, were, were a major part of that. So that, that's some of the, the latest breaking changes that we've, that we've made. But we're constantly working and innovating. It's, it's, a, it's a constant process uh, here at Microsoft of, of working on features and, and you'll see them come out, you know, over, over, uh, over time. I want to ask you a little bit about new features that are coming out like for example we've had a lot about microsoft copilot and all of these mm -hmm. wonderful new features that use ai uh, how involved are you in the process of developing not so much the feature itself but making sure that what is being put out there is accessible yeah the work that i do is is, is mainly centered around narrator at this point now we do have some features that you might consider are using you know, artificial intelligence, for example, you know, reading image descriptions and getting, you know, summaries of, of web pages and things of that nature where we, we actually, you know, utilize the, the cloud and actually, actually go interrogate um, services to be able to get at that information. So, so that's been a narrator for quite some time. Uh, I, I am personally not working on anything related to AI other, other than that. Now, our natural voices are also um, voices that came from cloud. You know, as part of uh, the, the Azure voices that were in cloud, but they're actually now 
you know, downloadable and can be run on, on a local device even without an internet connection. So that, that, that actually makes them you know, faster and more efficient, not having to uh, actually consume them from cloud directly. But they came from you know, services that, that were generated from the cloud. So for example, if you were to open up Edge, for example, uh, there, there's a, voices that are used here for reading and those come from the cloud. So if you were to, you know, start that process, then the audio would be downloaded from, you know, after processing it from the cloud, and then it would play on your device. So the, we've been doing quite a bit across Microsoft and in Narrator itself around utilizing services and, and uh, artificial intelligence for, for quite some time. But obviously, the world is, is a much different place right now. It's, a, you know, chat GPT and, and, of course, the new Bing and lots of services like this are are just amazing pieces of technology, and I'm excited to see where the world's going to take us. I I have no idea where we're heading yet. I think I think I'm still learning personally on on where we're going to you know take this technology next. But it's it's uh, as Bill Gates said, it's it's just as important as the graphical user interface, and I firmly believe that. It, it, I don't know what the world's going to look like in five years. It's uh, absolutely amazing. I know you're you're saying you work on specifically narrator projects and on it itself, but I wonder there is a big conversation out there at the moment around the speed of, in particular, AI evolution and mm-hmm. revolution. Some might argue, and I just wonder from your point of view, you know, with all the talk of it moving so quickly and even some suggesting things should slow down, um, I just wonder where you are on this because I guess the challenge is keeping up. Right? Is that is that the issue for you trying to? Just keep up, I, I, you know, as Jeff Bishop working in Microsoft, you know, working on this project, does it just feel like you've got this endless tsunami of tech and, you know, new features always pouring in and, you know, you're trying to just make sure that, you know, it remains accessible when it gets out there? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not as worried about that as much because I think that, you know, we, we have processes and, and we do a lot of planning and try to figure out where we're going to go next and, and then and then we you know, sort of execute on that. I, I think the bigger question for me personally, and, and I'm going to take off my Microsoft hat, which I, I guess I really am not, but uh, I just want to speak personally about this. I think the bigger concern, and, and Microsoft has also addressed this, is that we need to be responsible in the use of AI, right? Um, we, we, of course, know that, that the, the community has gone crazy about these 11 labs voices. I'm sure you've played with them, Stephen. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and But the scary thing about them is, you know, that they can be used to generate, you, you know, voice samples of your voice or my voice. And with with great power comes great responsibility. So I, I am just hoping that we, we do something to make sure that we're protecting ourselves from ourselves, I guess is the way to say that. Because I think people could utilize this technology in, in ways that would not be helpful, you know. And that, that, that's my fear. And, and Microsoft talks a lot about this, about, you know, we need to be responsible in the way that, that AI is utilized. And I think that's true overall within the industry. Of course, there is another side to this. And, and maybe I ask this question specifically as Jeff Bishop, not in Microsoft. Um, but I wonder about your job. Because, look, one of the jobs, one of the categories of jobs that is talked about as being under threat by all of this AI is coding, is working in 
this field that you work in. I mean, are you ever frightened that, you know, the technology gets so clever it just writes the next, you know, line of code for narrator by itself? No, I'm not afraid of that at all, actually. I think I think that AI has an opportunity here to to revolutionize uh, the accessibility space. Uh, look at things like Be My Eyes, you know, that, that was announced just recently. That's just one example of where significant innovation is happening. And this is, we're nearly at the beginning of this technology. And the, the opportunities that it brings uh, in the accessibility space are just, in my opinion, endless. So it's, it's a great time to work in tech. It's, it's a wonderful time to be a user of that technology as well as a product maker of that technology. It's, it's just amazing. So, you know, just like we work on all kinds of other features, um, this is just yet another one and another tool in our tool belt uh, to be able to utilize and make our lives more productive, efficient, and, and usable as we use our devices with whatever software we choose to use. I'll come back to you in five years and ask you the same question and see if it's the same response. <laughs> yeah. That would be I, interesting, I, I right? I don't think it's going to change. Um, I, I really, really don't. I, I, again, I, I come back, though, to the point of responsibility. Which I think I think that's going to be really really crucial in you know all facets of this, in, in making sure that people are utilizing this technology safely, and in the right way and reliably. You know I think we have a lot of learning to do. Right now, the, the these things are, are are very 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 new, and I, I've heard interviews from you know the the guys at Be My Eyes talking about hey we, we're going to move slowly, we're going to look at data, and that's exactly right. We have to move slowly uh, in, in reference to making sure that we get this right, because as consumers of this type of technology, especially with you know people with disabilities or people who are blind or visually impaired, we're going to rely on it, you know, and it, and it needs to be reliable or at least as, as reliable as can be. And so that's where we have to be careful when we're utilizing AI it, it, to ensure that you know, it's going to give us accurate information, or at least if, if it's not, that it tells us that, hey, you know, this might be slightly inaccurate or, you know, please be careful in these types of environments or situations. So I, I think we have a lot of learning to do, but we also have, you know, just amazing opportunities here to innovate and, and look where the future is going. It's exciting. Jeff Bishop, thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap. Thank you. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. And uh, don't forget, we're off tomorrow because it's Good Friday. Saturday, though, we're here. Uh, we'll be giving you a chance to hear our conversation with Mike Buckley and Hans Weiberg again, plus a bit more as we delve into the archive. And uh, I bring you the conversation I had with Hans Weiberg back at the very beginning of Be My Eyes in 2015. We'll delve into the archive for that. Have yourselves a great long weekend. We're back on Monday with all your feedback. Keep that coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com or call one 803 4567 Have a great long weekend. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. 
Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.